friends and fellow Buffy lovers, and welcome to our podcast, where we discuss each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in detail, focusing on digging deep into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing. I'm Leah. I'm Sarah. I'm Tabby. And this is Becoming Buffy. Hey everyone, welcome back to Becoming Buffy. Today we are talking about Teacher's Pet, which Yay. is not one of our favorite episodes, but <laughs> I think it's safe to say that it's like pretty much at the bottom of the barrel for me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's pretty much just become the literal bane of my existence. Um, yeah, that's not an exaggeration. So because we've had to, yeah, we've had to record this one. This is our sixth so time. Many yep. times. We yes. tried to initially so like many. two months ago. And what happened the first time? Something happened. And yeah, we've had problems with it not recording. We've had problems with one person's voice not recording. And then, yeah, just pretty much everything under the sun. Internet so, issues. Yeah. Yeah. And th- to make things hard, especially for having to constantly re-record one episode, this is not even one of our favorite episodes. So it's been like a pain in the butt every single time we've had to record. Yep. But we're here now, yep. and I think there's some good things to talk about, even though it's not our favorite episode. Um, Themes are important. Yeah. The yeah. execution, not as yeah. great. That's a good That's a good way yeah. to put it. And there is, there is some stuff I'm really excited to talk about in this episode, so – there's some stuff to look forward to. Yeah. And as always, this is our spoiler-free section. Um, we have a spoiler section at the end called Scooby Secrets, where we talk about everything spoilers, foreshadowing for the rest of the show. So if you don't want to know any spoilers, then you can go ahead and just skip that. And if not, then feel free to join us because it's one of our favorite parts of the show. Yes. It's definitely very fun. And if I sound a little funky, I got new teeth in today. <laughs> and so I have a slight list. Sarah's dentures like came in the mail. <laughs> so if I sound a little funny, that is why. That's such a funny thing. Just be like, uh, sorry, got new teeth. I know. Uh, <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yeah, people are like, well, what did your teeth look like before? Yeah, right. No, I'm like, of course I would get new teeth right before we have to, you know, record this episode. Yeah, of thought, course. To preface, I you're going to say something like, "Oh, sorry if I sound funny. I really don't want to do this." <laughs> no, I but you know, this, but, um, you know. to preface, Sarah did get in a brawl fight and was punched, yeah. <laughs> and all of her teeth fell out. So now she has yeah. to get new teeth. <laughs> A brawl with my two-year-old. I yes, lost. for sure. Gwen, <laughs> hey, honestly, if it was Gwen, she, she could, could play dirty. Yeah, she could have a full fist on you for sure. That's true. <laughs> Sawyer just headbutts me. Yeah. Oh, never mind. No, he'd win. <laughs> the kid has yeah. headbutted me so many times. It hurts. It's actually painful. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So, teacher's pet. Let's get going. Teacher's Pet is the fourth episode in season one. It was written by David Greenwalt, who goes on to become the co-executive producer. Producer. There you go. Again. The co-executive producer of the show. It was directed by Bruce Seth Green, and it aired on March 25th, 1997. So we open at the bronze, and this it's very obviously a dream. kills me. I just like – everything about it is just so – Xander, 
like Phil that is just like, of course Sander would, you know, dress like this in his own dream. Or of course he would have to kill the bad guy and play solo guitar. Like he just like the fact that he needs everything to be so perfect kills me. I, I also yeah. just like it. It's very funny to me, but also not surprising that someone could be so off about themselves. <laughs> They're just like so emotionally unintelligent enough to be like, hmm. Either they're creating a whole new life for themselves or he genuinely thinks that's how he is to people. I think he knows that he's not actually like that. I think it's literally just him having a fantasy about what it would be like if he was super cool and super popular and had the girl that he wanted. But he's even you know? in denial when it comes to Buffy liking him so far. That, that is seen. true. And when I he think walks that- into the bronze later on, he has this like newfound confidence and you're like, do you really think that you – or like what you are in the dream? I think that it's a little bit of both. I think that he does see himself way higher than he actually is. But I don't think that it's as extreme as it is in the dream. But I definitely think that he has this sure. weird confidence in himself that for some reason is built in there from who knows what, man. Yeah. But I, and I think as we go along the metaphors for this episode are going to become clear, but something that we've talked about is that Xander kind of has a warped view of masculinity and what it means to be a man. He very much thinks of a man as, oh, hey, he's the one who has to save the girl, the hero complex. He has to wear the cool clothes. He has to also play guitar, you know, like different weird ways in which he feels that that defines someone who's cool or who is a man. And I think as we go along in the episode, we're going to kind of see that being shaken up a little bit and hopefully for the rest of the show too, you know? Yeah, which is funny because even though Xander at this point has not met Angel, he he meets him later on in the episode. But like, it's just very interesting that in his own dream version of himself, Xander is pretty much Angel. And he like, yeah. And I think that Joss Whedon does it on purpose because like he hasn't really met Angel yet. And so I think that it was maybe kind of a way of showing us like, mm, he's not going to like Angel for multiple reasons. But I think one of those is like, Angel kind of is a physical representation of what Xander wants to be. Well, it's also a mm. major irony because in his dream, if he acts that way, Buffy loves him. And then we see that Angel is that and Buffy's you know, at least likes him at this point um, sure. and is attracted to him. So she's got to be like, ooh, yikes, that kind of that kind of sex a little. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out the lighting and the costuming in this scene because Buffy is very obviously wearing something that she doesn't normally wear. Yep. Kind of a cocktail, like silky red thing with red light on her as she <laughs> yep. lays on top of the red pool table. And her gasps are like so dramatic where she's like, oh, no, the very so yep. Yeah, it is. I also think it's funny that Xander wakes up from this dream to the nightmare that is – school because you know the whole metaphor of school is literal hell kind of like if he could have an actual heaven it would probably be what was in that dream it's also just funny that like buffy's the one who wakes him up it's just like very reality hits you quick because it's like the girl you were just dreaming about is literally waking you up and telling you you have drool on your mouth like i don't know what would humble you more harsh reality yeah (laughs) that's true right So they're having a lesson on ants. So Which is so weird. Like they're 
It is weird. I don't Are remember. They in grade school? Yeah, it's like I don't remember one lesson in high school which was only about like one insect. Yeah. Like we true. would learn about like in biology, like freshman year, you learn about like, you know, pyramids of animals and like all that. But you're not learning about like one specific species. Like that's yeah, so that's weird. typically something you do when you're in like grade yeah. school. Yeah. But it works for the show, yeah, I guess. Yeah, very convenient. I wonder why. And I also think it's interesting because the entire episode is about, you know, someone who is a praying mantis that preys on young boys. But then you have, and she teaches on praying mantis or praying mantises. I don't know what the mantis is. Mantis I praying mantis. I think it's mantis. I think <laughs> we're having like a whole like look at all those mantises. praying. I think look okay. at all those praying mantis. <laughs> anyway, whatever think, the plural of praying mantis. I think mantis it's just is. mantis. Wait, do praying mantis eat ants? Yes. Could the, could the teacher be an ant? And she yeah, that's what I was trying to go for. But I don't know if they yeah. eat ants. I didn't pay because, enough attention. Well, because we find out oh, no, in they the eat episode crickets. that she they eat crickets. She, because remember, she was having that cricket sandwich, oh, but yeah. can they eat How ants? I forget it? I don't know. Well, the only reason why I bring that up is because we found out – we find out later on in the episode that she is attracted to and only preys on younger men. So I'm just like trying to find a reason why she would like eat the teacher. Yeah, I don't think so. Hey, listeners, if you know – I mean, we probably could Google it after this, but I'm really curious now because I know – yeah, I don't know. But anyway, I think they are definitely making a distinction between Dr. Gregory and Miss French being yeah. the praying mantis and Dr. Gregory being an aunt. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Anyway, yeah. moving on. Major tangent. <laughs> so Buffy gets called on by Dr. Gregory, doesn't know the answers, and Willow, like a wonderful friend, is trying to help her out. I know. So sweet. And I mean, okay. To be fair, though, Buffy, like, it's not hard to figure out that, like, the two ways that ants communicate is got to be, like, with scent and with feel. Like, yeah. you know. I think it's, like, one of those things, though, where Buffy wasn't paying attention so much that it's hard to, like, refocus. Like, I think she knows those answers. It's just kind of, like, she wasn't really paying attention and she's just kind of, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. But she mistakes the scent for B.O. and Xander gets offended, of course. Everyone of course. laughs. I know. And we have this really sweet interaction between Dr. Gregory and Buffy where she's expecting kind of an after-school lecture of why aren't you paying attention? Why aren't you doing harder or like working harder? And he talks about how she has a record for burning down her last school's gym. And she's kind of waiting for, okay, you know, you're the troublemaker. And instead he says, I think you're going to be great. I and it's so, so sweet. sweet. And mm -hmm. it's sad too because, I mean, like, obviously everyone at this point has seen the episode. Or at least I hope you have because we're going to be talking about <laughs> it. But um, he ends up dying later on in the episode. Spoilers, sorry. Yeah, um, for five minutes later. <laughs> yeah, but it's so sad because it's like this is the first teacher that gave Buffy, like, affirmation in a positive way and was just like – Yes, like, I think that you can do it. And, like, you see that change in Buffy and just kind of, like, her yeah. demeanor and everything is, like, a little bit lighter because she's, like, someone believes in me. Like, it's yep. all she needed. And it's so sad. But it's also the way he says it, too. It's very much like, I see greatness in you, so I'm going to expect nothing less. He says, I know you can excel in this class, so I expect no less. So it's holding her to a standard that he sees in her rather than, like, lowering her expectations yeah. and making her feel guilty for it based on her past. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he's, he seems to just see Buffy for who she is and kind of calls her out slightly on like, Hey, I think you're not trying as hard as you can, which to be fair, Buffy's obviously got a lot going on, but he's the first adult to actually see Buffy's potential and see that she's actually smarter um, than the per maybe the persona that she's putting on. It's also kind of interesting too, because we're seeing a pattern emerge, even though there's only been two standalone episodes where the witch was all about Buffy trying to have a normal life um, outside of being a slayer when it comes to like an extracurricular activity that didn't work. And you saw how being a slayer affected that part of her life. And then in this one, you see her trying a little bit harder at academia and even having a teacher believe in her. And Mm -hmm. that's not going to work either because once again, she's a slayer and her slayer duties are going to come in between that. And so I think we're starting to see a pattern and a theme for this season where Buffy is striving for a normal life and it's just not happening. So Buffy leaves, Dr. Gregory goes to sit down in the microscope, and we see this really weird, like, scaly thing grab him and kill him, essentially, which is just so sad because we finally saw an adult that believes in Buffy. And it's so sad, too, because it's like she didn't even really get to form a whole connection with him. It was literally like one conversation. Like, she didn't even get to, like, you know, see her, like, academic growth and, like, you know, have him there for a little bit. It was literally like one conversation of like, hey, I believe in you. And then he's like, just kidding. I'm dead. Like, yep. so sad. Yep. It wasn't even a whole relationship. It was just like the beginning of one. Yeah, totally. So then we're back at the bronze and Xander is entering and dressed very differently than how he was in his <laughs> fantasy. <laughs> yep. But yet the confidence is the same. Yep. Yeah, and he's wearing these like weird stripes, and I think that's funny that the band member gives him this look like, "Ew, yep, what are you so doing?" So funny. <laughs> the contrast between this scene and the scene in the mm-hmm. the first scene, for lack of a better word, um, <laughs> is so funny to me because in the dream sequence, he's like dancing and it's super like cool and like everyone's staring at him, and this one he's like dorkily, you know. Dancing, head bobbing. And, yeah, head bobbing in like the middle of the uh, dance floor. Everyone's staring at him. He has no rhythm, and then like he like looks at the band, and the band's like, "Dude, what are you doing? Like, don't look at me." Right? You think the band would be like, "Cool, we have a you know a fan," and yeah. they're even like, "Ew, we don't even want you." I mean, as he's a fan. definitely the center of attention. That's for sure, but not <laughs> in a good way. Not in the way he wants, I think either. Yeah. Yep. So he goes to sit next to Blaine, and we don't know the other guy's name, but they're talking about how many girls that they've um, conquered, for lack of a better word, which I hate that word. Their conquests. Um, Yeah, exactly. They asked Sander, how many have you had? I just think it's really interesting that he doesn't give like a – direct answer he could just straight up lie and be like oh you know like a few dozen or he could just like be honest but instead he deflects and just says oh are we counting this week so Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just really interesting because it's like he could do either of the two be honest or lie and yet it's just kind of like a cool way of like deflecting the issue to kind of deter from like and it's a very standard thing to do is just not face the issue 
Yeah. So then he sees Willow and Buffy and is like, babes. So gross. Buffy's face is hilarious. Well, and their like reactions to it kill me because like Willow is obviously the devoted friend and, you know, is secretly in love with him. Well, not so secretly, but um, and she's like, sure, like we'll show them, you know, and Buffy's just very like, no, Xander barely is paying attention to him. And it's just like, Angel, (laughs) the person worth my time. Yep. Angel's back. We haven't seen him for an episode. And he's been sorely missed. At least by me. I'm sure by (sighs) you. By me greatly. (laughs) There's like viewers out there who are like, oh, Angel, he's so boring. Every (laughs) character is is still being developed. And okay, so this is the first time Xander has ever seen Angel and Willow as well. And so they're like, oh, that must be Angel. And Xander's like, what? He's buff. She didn't say he's buff. And then Willow's like, you think he's buff? He's like, why? Yes, he's a very yeah. attractive man. As if Buffy was going to sit down at a table with Xander and be like, so Angel's really hot and he's really attractive and he's really buff. And like described him exactly what Angel looks right. like. Right. And somehow be like, and that diminishes you, Xander, because someone else can be hot. <laughs> he yep. thinks everything is on himself. And that is the most selfish, narcissistic, narcissistic thing I have ever heard. I'm like, not everything is about you, dude. Yep. So then we have this moment between Angel and Buffy. Oh, you look cold. And she's like, well, I'm not being, you know, yeah. uh, distant. He says, you're cold. Oh, yeah, you're cold. And she's like, well, I'm not being distant. He's like, no, you look cold. And he like suavely takes off <laughs> his jacket and puts it around her shoulder so smooth. that she can see the cut on his arm and know that he's out there fighting evil. I will say her. this is the first time yeah. that we see Angel like actively – Going out and Getting fighting his hands something. Dirty. Yeah, he's always <laughs> yeah. Well, he's which, always been like just information guy, and then just leaves. Yeah, which is a good point, Tabs. Because in the first episode, uh, we remember that Buffy was kind of like, "Oh, come down in the sewer with me, like might as well." And he was like, "No, I'm scared." And he was like, "No, I don't mm-hmm. want to." Mm. And then, like since then, he's been a little bit more involved by like bringing information and things like that. But this is the first time we're seeing him kind of get his hands dirty. Which is like, huh, that's interesting to see. Wonder what's motivating him to be like that. And I mean, I I choose to believe that that's like probably what happened. Like he got his hands dirty, but he never actually says that he was out fighting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just have a funny mental picture of Angel being like, ah, as he's being slashed at. And then he comes in and is like, oh, Buffy, look at my wounds. I'm heroic. <laughs> I was out fighting. <laughs> oh, 100%. So then he says, he's coming. Don't let him corner you. Don't let him rip your throat out. And then he just kind of leaves. And she's like, okay. Yeah, thanks. how romantic. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice to see you too. Yeah, exactly. But then he leaves his jacket. Then you have Xander and Willow. And Xander's like, oh, he's giving her his jacket. It's not even like cold. So then – Cut to the next day, and Buffy is wearing the jacket. I just have a funny so image in cute. my head of her just sweating bullets, but being like, I right? am going to wear this. Right? It's Southern California. Yep. It's hot. Like, what? Yep. <laughs> yep. And I mean, we've talked about before how clothing on the show, and most shows, but specifically this show, um, is important. And it's like it says something and it tells a story. And I mean, this one's probably one of the most obvious examples is like, Buffy wearing Angel's jacket, yeah. obviously showing, like, a care for him. And it's also just such a cute high school thing to do. Yeah. You know, you are interested in a boy, like, you wear his jacket, and, you know, you're, like, all blushing about it no matter what the weather is outside. Like, it just 
it's very cute and I think it's very nice to see Buffy like having little small moments of like enjoyment or happiness because it's like I feel like in the past few episodes it's just been so yeah it's been so heavy and so it's like it's nice to see that she has like little joys in her day yeah and I think it's also interesting too because she hasn't actively admitted to herself or really anyone that she finds Angel attractive or even that she's falling um, for him. And so yeah. we see things like her choosing to wear the jacket, almost like her subconscious knows before she actively does. You know what I mean? Because by yeah. the end of the episode, we have that moment where she realizes. And But before then, I think the viewer and even Willow and Xander have known before she herself did. Oh, 100%. for sure. Giles makes this funny comment of, God, every day here is the same. And Bubby's like, Giles what, just seems so sunny? pissed all the time. I know. He just like seems all cranky. And I mean, he, I guess it fits the mold of being a librarian, but like he's just coming to school and he's like, ah, the sun is out and everything sucks. And Buffy's like, look at my jacket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like sweating. <laughs> and like we know that it's the beginning of the school year because this is the only, the fourth episode. And California gets cold. Well, somewhat cold by like November. <laughs> so we know that it's still warm out. Well, okay, so I crack up too because Giles is also from England and England is typically, you know, overcast, a little bit cooler. And so when he says every day here is the same, I'm like, no more than England, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So Buffy tells him, hey, Angel showed up the bronze last night. He told me about this like fork guy who's been going around and hurting people. And Giles is like, hmm, that's interesting. I will like look that up later and then xander comes up and is like hey so dr gregory is missing and buffy looks genuinely like concerned and worried because you know she knows she lives on a hell mouth yeah i mean honestly anytime anyone goes missing in sunnydale it's like reason to be concerned seriously no one just like casually takes a day off at sunnydale Mm -hmm. like they're either like you know playing a random ditch day or like they're murdered like there really is no one between <laughs> what a rough life man i know sounds very stressful imagine could you imagine? yeah but it's also yeah. like could you imagine like you show up to like school one day and you're like oh where's my friend and you're like oh i wonder if they died or if they're just slept yeah. in yeah but everybody else seems to be kind of being in denial so i wouldn't be surprised if people are like oh i don't know johnny just decided to pack up and leave town and you know he's only 17 but you know hope he has a good life and email everybody's yeah. suppressing the fact that you know johnny's laying in a coffin at the funeral home <laughs> i know they're like wow it's so weird how people die and then come back and suck on other people's yeah, blood. Right? I'm sure it's just a prank. That's yeah. true. What if you what would you do if you saw a friend who literally just died and you knew they died and you saw them as a vampire, but yet Sunnydale likes to imagine as if that doesn't happen? So what would you tell yourself going to bed at that night, being like, Hey, I just saw my friend try to kill me and then he turned to dust? Honestly, I think it would probably just be like, Oh, it was a trick of the light. I didn't really see it. Yeah, I wanted I like, wanted him to be alive so much that I imagined that he was alive or something like that, you know? Dang. There's a lot of lies like you and your subconscious could tell yourself. It's true. So Xander is explaining to Buffy and Willow some more facts and details when we hear this just, you know, melodious, beautiful tribal music <laughs> that leah just dies just, for every time 
<sighs> I just like Joss Whedon is so brilliant and so smart, and I just cannot with this scene because he's so much better than this. <laughs> like this metaphor is just so on the nose of like you know opening you know Xander's primal instinct, His animalistic you know? instincts. Yeah, yeah, it's like okay, we get did it. Did he write this like, one though? It's just, I don't think he did. No, it was David Greenwald. No, but it's also like he he does have a say in like production and like. It definitely had to okay things. So, like, at some point, you would have needed to probably see this. But like, either way, I everything I blame on him. Joss. <laughs> it is his show, so. I wonder what it would have been like name if he had directed it. it. I don't know. Anyway, so we have this tribal music that comes along, and we have this pan up of Miss French. And the actress they picked, so her name is Musetta Bander. And she's actually from South Africa, and she is pretty much typecasted as this type of woman in pretty much any show and movie that she's been in. Oh, no. She plays like a siren in the movie Oh, Brother. It's like, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Or something like that with um, George Clooney. And then she plays kind of like the dream girl in a bunch of other um, movies and TV shows. So I think it's interesting that they had her kind of play the dream girl in this show. But it's kind of turned on its head, which is, again, another cool little thing that Buffy likes to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about it. Well, I mean, not in this recording, probably one of the other millions we've done. But we've <laughs> talked not about, bitter about how, that at all. Yeah, no, not at all. But we've talked about how um, it's interesting that they chose because like obviously one of the metaphors of this episode is – um, teachers being predatory towards students or, you know, older people being predatory towards children. And it's very interesting that they chose to go with a woman. Um, not that women mm -hmm. cannot be predatory, but it's just interesting because typically it's more. Well, there's a stereotype men. that yeah, there men is a stereotype are predatory. That it's, yeah, absolutely. Especially, I think, in the realm of school, like there's always that you know, a creepy principal or a creepy teacher, or, you know, creepy janitor, whatever it is, like, it's usually a stereotype of it being a man. And so it's so, I love the fact that they chose to do a woman because it's something that you wouldn't expect them to do because it's not something that's talked about as much is because it's like a lot of times if a younger teenage boy sleeps with an older woman, it's kind of seen as an accomplishment mm -hmm. rather than something that is not okay. Mm -hmm. And so I like the fact that they like chose to kind of show it in a negative way. Well, older predatory men don't have a sexualized term for it. Women do. A mm. cougar. Oh, that's a good point. You don't have you don't hear like a sexualized term for an older man. That's disgusting and everyone would absolutely look at you differently. Well, I mean, technically you could say like sugar daddy or things like that. I mean, but that's more of the benefit. I mean, of that's more of yeah. Yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but yeah, sugar daddy is typically a positive light, even though everybody knows it's not necessarily something that is, you know, yeah. always great. And yeah. versus a cougar is like pretty much always a negative connotation. Well, it's sexualized, is what I, like I was trying to say. Yeah. Mm, okay, okay. Um, but like I, I don't know. I feel like Buffy takes a lot of stereotypes and uh twists them a ton. So like mm -hmm. in the first episode. I just rewatched the first episode with a couple of my friends because they had never seen it before. One of them was really shocked that Darla in the beginning ended up being the vampire mm -hmm. and she was the right. girl and the cold opening with the female and the male inside the school. And Buffy loves to do that where it's like, we're going to create this atmosphere or we're going to take the stereotype and we're going to twist it. And we're going to mm -hmm. show you that 
you know, nothing is as it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also interesting too, because I love that they chose to have this metaphor on top of another metaphor, which is awakening sexuality and even on, you know, the idea of Xander is struggling to find manhood and what that looks like. And in his mind, he's going, okay, sexual prowess equals manhood. Uh, betting an, an older woman equals manhood versus like Leah mentioned before, if you had an older man and a younger woman, it would be creepy. And so I think it's trying to show that double standard while also showcasing a very real problem with predatory teachers or predatory um, you know, people. So it's just, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's actually multi-layered. There's a lot of stuff going on here. It's just the execution is just a little hard to watch at times. Totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a little uh, campy. Yeah. So anyway, Miss French is the substitute teacher and she walks right up to Xander and is like, hey, can you tell me where the science classroom is? And Xander has an opportunity and he chokes. He of chokes course. big time. Yep. Of course he does. He's Xander. Yep. And I like how he he's like, oh, I knew where it was. And then he like looks at Buffy and Willow for help and both of them like no mercy, man. They're like, sorry, bud, you're on your own. Yeah, Blaine just swoops right in once again, making Xander feel inferior and is like, I can show you. And Xander makes that comment. Funny how the world never opens up and swallows you when you want it to. Yep. Very funny. In the classroom, Buffy finds Dr. Gregory's glasses, which again, sloppy work from whoever that monster was, which again, we're yeah. going to assume it's Miss French because, you know, we've never met her before. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean we we we've talked about this not on the podcast, but that like, um, because I think a while ago like Sarah asked, she was like, why like what? It's really sloppy of Miss French to kind of like leave his glasses behind. That's kind of stupid. If you kill someone, like you should probably clean it up. Um, and I remember saying like, well, if you're like a serial killer or if you're someone who's kind of more intelligent about those things, I think that you should not. You know that you should, but that you would. <laughs> um, well, Leah. Yeah. Um, but I think that because she is like an insect and animal, like they don't really have a mind to clean up their mess very much. Like I think it's more of just kind of survival. Hmm. And I think that she just didn't really think about it. Like I think honestly it was just kind of her being like, eh, I need to kill someone. I'll kill this teacher. No one will ask questions. Like I don't think it was much practical thought that went into it. Um, and Miss Miss French is very obviously they're trying to show correlations between her and praying mantis. She's got the green eye shadow. Yeah, she, not even subtly. Like she's in classroom being like the praying mantis is you know so mysterious and so misunderstood, and everyone's like, ew. Yeah, she's like, like they're cannibals. We don't care. And Buffy's like, Whoa. yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, no one cares about praying like. Mantis, Manti, I, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, like I don't even care enough to know the plural form of it. Like, and so the fact that she's just like trying to sit here and be like, they're under, they're misunderstood, you know, they're victims, oh, the, and everyone else is like, dude, we don't care. The way she yeah. phrases it is very much how I feel like a lot of psychopaths have to justify a lot of mm. things that they do. The way she phrases it is like, well, they're forced to live alone. Or it's like a natural instinct is who they are. So they can't like deny their instincts about it. So she's kind of like making excuses for herself because it's mm. what she has to do to survive. Yeah. Which it's interesting to me because I never picked up on the fact that she's not human. Because, you know, sometimes you hear like 
you think of vampires, they start out human, they became vampires. Yeah. Or like she started out human, she became a praying mantis. As we go on through the episode, we find out that she never was human. She's always been praying mantis, um, which is kind of creepy. So then she asks, hey, guys, we should make some model eggs for the science fair. And she's like, who wants to help me? And like every boy raises his hand. Which is weird because it's like as a sub, you never really have projects of your own. That's true. Like I've never once had a sub, even like long-term subs when they first start out are not like, let's do this really cool, crazy project. It's always like, "Mm, I don't really know what I'm doing. And then like a couple weeks into it, they're like, okay, I guess I'm kind of getting the hang of this. Like I would find it so weird if like a sub was like, oh my gosh, who wants to stay after school and do this weird project for me that, you know, I probably won't even get to finish because I might not even be here tomorrow. But I would be like her type of sub is a pretty permanent one until they find somebody or maybe she is the permanent replacement but i mean by sub is that like hey this other teacher died so we gotta quickly find somebody and she might be there for a long time or we might find somebody else i feel like this term for sub isn't like a one week one day thing i feel like she'll be there for a while yeah but even still that's so weird to do on your first day (laughs) it is true (laughs) All right, so then we go to the cafeteria, and everyone's, like, grossed out by the lunch of the day. It's, like, hot dog surprise, I think is what they called it. Oh. So gross. Yeah, and Blaine's, like, over there, like, so many little milk cartons and jello and salad, and then grabs a piece of cake and is all like, hey, Xander, got to, like, carb up for my one-on-one with Miss French. And I was like, you're going to have a tummy ache, dude. Like, there's no way you're going to be doing and, anything. Like- wouldn't you want like protein? <laughs> yeah, right. Not milk, man. Like, why would, yeah, like why would you want like carbs and dairy? Like he's gonna be all like gassy. That's not really romantic. <laughs> yeah, especially with that's the hot sexy dog surprise, man. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, what the heck? Yeah, and then you have you know Willow and Buffy being like Xander. Okay, if if an older woman is with a younger man, that means she can't get someone her age. True. And that means that you're too young and naive to notice that she's had surgical um, – what did they say? Like surgical implants? Enhancements, that's it. Yeah. And, and Xander yeah. has no idea what they mean. Oh, man. And then Blessed Cordelia walks in. Ray of sunshine oh. in this – very fresh odd episode in this you know yeah. stinky cafeteria with hot dog surprise <laughs> yep and she's all like i'm here to get my medically prescribed lunch i'll only be here as long as i can hold my breath my ah! gosh <laughs> i just want to know how on earth she got a medically prescribed lunch like what was her excuse to that doctor just being like i can't eat this because you know if I do, then I'm going to lose, you know, half a pound. And if I lose half a pound, then that means that all my grades are going to drop. And if all my grades you mean are going to drop, like, half a pound? you know, she would just, yes, my bad. Uh, but it's like either way, like, you know, yeah. Cordelia would have some weird, 1, random excuse. Probably, she probably would just talk so much to the fact where the doctor was like, dude, just take the note and get out of my office. I'm so sick of you. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, whatever you want. I mean, well, okay. So we get the feel that Cordelia is wealthy, that her family has money. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they have like their own family physician. And she's gotten like this special exemption because she's Cordelia, you know. But she finds Dr. Gregory's body minus head inside of the school lockers. I would never eat in that cafeteria nope. ever again. Yeah. But I think you also get used to it. Yeah. Like, 
Miss French very clearly stuck Dr. Gregory inside of the cafeteria. Like she could have just like dumped him anywhere else, but she put him inside of the cafeteria locker. Like she views him as a meal. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be like she was preserving him for later. Maybe, but it almost feels like, okay, she's, I think, Tabby, you mentioned earlier how she's kind of like being intentionally sloppy because she just doesn't care yeah. because she's a bug. But I think also, too, I think she kind of likes having people see her victims and her prowess. I think she takes a little bit of pleasure in that, you know? It's so gross. then, yeah, it is gross, right? So then we go to the library and Buffy's crying on the stairs. Poor girl. It's so sad. And I mean, I, I totally don't blame her. I feel for her because here's someone who actually cared enough about her um, and saw through past, you know, just maybe the vapid exterior that she's been trying to put across um, and or not vapid, you know, Buffy's not vapid, but you know what I mean? Like a lot of people look at her and they assume that she's vapid, but she's not. She's actually super smart and super deep and she's got a lot yeah. going on and he saw her potential. Um it's just – it's insane to me that even in an episode like this, it's just, like, crazy that Joss Whedon chose to make his character go through so much so fast. Like, this is literally the fourth episode, and she's, like, crying on the staircase because, like, one of her favorite teachers died. Like, mm. what show do you watch where it's, like, that intense so quick? Well, one of the kids that was supposed to be part of the gang – dies in the first episode too right yeah jesse mm -hmm. yeah giles gives her water trying to comfort her willow's next to her just being such a good friend and they're kind of like all right who who could have done this and giles is like hey so i did some more research on this fork guy apparently the master chopped up his hand and so he um now has like you know these like scissor hands and a homeless man was attacked out in the park the other day. And Buffy's like, that's our guy. That's that's who I need to go talk to. And Giles is like, hey, you need to be careful. Promise me you're not going to do anything dangerous. Buffy's like, yeah, sure. Which is so ironic because it's like, Giles, like, do you know what her profession is? Like, right. she's literally a vampire slayer. Of, like, everything she does is dangerous. Yeah. I think it's because the master took special interest in this guy. Um, and they're thinking, okay, maybe this guy, which his name is Claw, maybe Claw is working for the master, which makes him doubly scary. You know, he's not just like a witch. And I think it's also the fact that Buffy is emotionally distraught, uh, weak right yeah. now. Yeah. And so I think that he's concerned that that might get in the way of her slaying. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's like genuinely concerned for her well-being. I also think it's really interesting that Buffy makes the observation of Dr. Gregory must have died um, last night. And Giles is like, well, why do you think that? And she's like, because he was wearing the same clothes as when I saw him after class. And I think – Yeah, I would not have noticed right, that. Right, but I think that's another example of Giles underestimating um, mm -hmm. Buffy – and the fact that Buffy has a special set of skills, you know, like she notices people cl people's clothing. She notices little details that Giles himself wouldn't notice. And they are assets to her vampire slaying. Yeah, 100%. So then cut to Buffy climbing a fence, not jumping it. I guess their budget was a I little know. bit less for this episode. <laughs> Got to save it for the praying mantis scenes. Whoa. They yeah. really, really splurged on the money for those <laughs> Yeah, <scenes>. right. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. The sad part is they kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what we end up with. They really thought they popped off. Uh, they're like, whoa, yeah, guys. They really, uh, they really broke the bank for the head turn. Like, look, at this trans- the look at this transition between human hands and praying mantis hands. Ew, that scene. <laughs> they're like, oh, they're that like, skeeves yeah. me out every time, man. <laughs> This is where our whole budget is going to go towards. All right. So I have a question, guys. How many homeless people do you think are left in Sunnydale? Because a solid two. Yeah, yeah right. One. That have found out a good hiding spot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's just like so funny to me because like also the cops come in this like scene too. And it's like two things I really never really thought would be in Sunnydale. One is homeless people because they'd all be vampires by now. It's true. And to, cause they don't have a home yeah. that the vampires yeah. can't enter. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and two is cops, cause like, what are they gonna do in Sunnydale? Are you gonna go, like, are you guys gonna taser dead being? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Sorry, I just don't really see you being, you know, super useful. <laughs> well, somebody's gotta keep the bad guys that aren't, you know, undead in check. So I guess, you know, the daytime when the vampires can't get out, you know, there's still gonna be people robbing things, you know? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, so Buffy's out and around this park and is like, hmm, now what could be suspicious? Those couple bushes just all propped up right there look super suspicious. And she like in front of a huge like drain. And Claw's just like standing right behind there, just like waiting for her to move the bush so he can come out and chase her. My word. I think I cannot. So, like we said before, the themes of this episode are so good. But the execution is just a little clunky. And season one obviously doesn't have a great budget, but they do a pretty good job for most of the episodes of covering that pretty well. And you can get past it because the storyline is so good. This episode, I feel like, is one of those that the budget just really shows. And the storyline. I think it's because the (laughs) storyline isn't super great. (laughs) It's everything. I mean, we've mentioned before, season one has high highs and low lows. And unfortunately, this episode is one of the low lows. Like... There are great aspects of it, and we're trying to focus on those parts. <laughs> um, but there's like, you know, overall, there's so many better episodes, and we feel the need to like preface that a bunch because we're like, we promise we understand that this is kind of a weird episode, <laughs> but we promise that there is not many like this. Yep. So the vampire is running from Buffy, and he runs into Miss French, who is grocery shopping. At night, alone. Which, if I was a predator and someone who could kill men, I'd be doing my grocery shopping at night. I would not have to worry <laughs> about anything. That'd be really nice. Yep. Which, if you're, like, a girl, then you know that any woman shopping at or night or just, like, walking alone at night or whatever is already, like, a little, like, oh, I mean... Good for you for, you know, not fearing for your life. But, like, also, are you okay? Like... <laughs> Yeah. You know, and so just the fact that she's like confidently out at night in Sunnydale. Yeah, in Sunnydale. Just grocery shopping right. is like, I'm like, this girl's a psychopath. Especially <laughs> when she's got to know that she's a sub because something happened to like the science teacher. He's like missing, you know, or he died oh, or something. Because yeah. you know, oh, yeah. word would have gotten around school. So they don't I even mean, try to like convince us that it's anyone but her. Like, they know that we're not stupid and that everyone's going to assume. Like, they don't even try to just be like, oh, maybe it's someone else. Yeah. So the vampire is scared of Miss French. She just kind of, like, stares at him 
and he immediately like recoils and is so afraid of her, he jumps down a sewer. And Buffy's just like, wait, what in the world? The next morning, she goes to Giles and he's like, so you did the thing that you said you weren't going to do. And she's like, yes, I lied. Let's move on. <laughs> More important yeah. things. And she's like, um, so do you know Miss French? You know, like that new sub. And he was like, oh, oh, yes, yes. Lovely in a common, extremely well-proportioned way. We're like, focus, Giles. I know. No. <sighs> no, Giles, don't a, go build such paper a, like, eggs. <laughs> it's such a cult, like kind and like mature compliment to give someone is just like oh you know they're well proportioned and very kind and you know all this stuff instead of just being like yeah she's really hot yeah like i'd hit that a very british (laughs) yeah 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 it's a very giles way of saying she's hot yeah (laughs) pretty much so they talk a little bit more and she's like who like what could possibly be afraid or what could possibly scare a vampire and he's like well i don't know And he's like, I'm going to do more research. And she's like, ah, I have a test. So she runs out and runs into Principal Flutie, who's all like, hey, you were in the cafeteria, right? She's like, yeah, when they found Dr. Gregory. And he's like, you need therapy. You need counseling. (laughs) And she's like, "Um, I actually need to go to a quiz right now. And he's like, no, you need to heal. (laughs) Which actually I agree with him in this scenario. If she saw a dead body, she for sure needs to go into counseling. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with him, but I don't think that he's doing this because of concern. I think he's doing it to cover lawsuits. up any type yeah, of lawsuit for sure. that would happen. Because you know, parents would be like, what are you doing to try and make sure that our yeah. kids are safe? It's like, well, we're putting them in counseling. So he feels don't like, sue us. And I mean, justifiably, he feels like an incredibly stressed out principal. Like every time I see I would him, be, I'd be, he just looks like he's all I'd like, be losing hair yeah. <laughs> yeah. over yeah. this job. I'd be losing hair, sleep, you know. Everything I would be a mess. Yeah, coming to work, it's like we have another kid who's dead. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Why am I principal here? Yeah, yeah. Literally, I'd request a transfer every day. Yeah, and this this nudges us into like the best dialogue Cordelia. in the episode. Yes. Oh my word. She's in there talking to the counselor. She's talking about how traumatic it was and how she like lost so much weight 7.5 ounces yeah 7.5 ounces exact and buffy's like sitting there going how selfish and self-absorbed can one person be as cordelia's like you know when tragedy strikes we have to see the bright side of it and buffy's (laughs) like oh my goodness there are much bigger things going on right now i just love how like when you see Buffy going through it, a lot of times they'll show Cordelia at the same time going through like normal life experiences. And I think it's supposed to kind of show you like if Buffy wasn't out here looking for some crazy praying mantis killer, like she would be just like Cordelia, just sitting in counseling, hmm. you know, like a normal person and just, yeah, you know, that's talking true. out her issues. Because from the very beginning, of the pilot, we see Cordelia and Buffy even kind of similar in the things that they like and then the way that they dress and the things that they're interested in. Um, And I think that, you know, going along with the theory of every single character in the Buffy verse is created to kind of be a reflection of Buffy herself, just in a different way. Cordelia is Buffy if Buffy were not a slayer. Oh, 100%. Then we have this wonderful moment where she goes up to take the quiz and peeks in and sees that they've started. And Miss French has like got her creepy 
beautifully <laughs> manicured hands on Xander's shoulder, and she's all like, I Ew. think you mean pollination. <laughs> so weird. I can't. I, I just, I don't know if this is secondhand embarrassment or just like <laughs> full on uncomfortable. I, I don't even know. I just can't even watch it. It makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. It, it's just, yeah, you know what she means. So then she's like, oh, somebody's watching me. Hmm. Once again, not being subtle, her head like swivels all the way around. Huh, like an owl. This scene so much. I, okay, I hate to be this person, but there is always a kid in class who is cheating. <laughs> and there's, like, there's always someone who's like not looking at their paper and is like checking to make sure the teacher isn't looking at them or something. There is no way on earth this girl had her head spin all the way around her head and no kid yeah. turned around to see it. There's no way. I'm sorry. It's high school. Everybody in that class was probably cheating. There's no way they did not also, see her. Couldn't she like turn around? On. Why did she have to do that in the first place? Right? Yeah. Right? So unnecessary. Yeah. It is just another example of like, I really don't think she cares about being subtle at all. I think she almost like wants people to know what she is. And I think, Tabs, you mentioned earlier how in class she's like, talking about the praying mantis with a lot of pride and a mm-hmm. lot of like, ooh, praying mantis, rah, rah, rah. And she's really like doesn't care about people, what people think about praying mantis and essentially about who she really is, which is interesting. I wonder if there's like a correlation here to like a predator um, because sometimes it feels like, you know, you have people in authority who get so used to having um, – kind of like this authority that they they get sloppy or they don't even really try to cover it all that much because they feel untouchable. I think that they don't necessarily care people know. I think that they just want people to empathize with them. Um, and I feel like you, hmm. you see that a lot with – I mean, this goes down to a whole different conversation. But it's like pedophilia <laughs> where it's like, well, like hmm. it, it's a sexual orientation or something in the brain that they can't fix. Whereas I feel like the same thing is going on with her where it's like they just want to be empathized. Like we don't want to hmm. fix ourselves. We just want people to understand whether or not hmm. that's okay um, or whether or not they act upon it. In this case, she does, which is not okay. But she definitely wants people to empathize with her. And I agree with you, Sarah. I think that she doesn't really care if people find out. Um, yeah. I think it's just people understanding. Yeah, and I think, you know, everyone wants to be understood. Everybody wants to be seen for who they truly are. And I think she's no Even different. Mantis Even people. praying mantis, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're people too, okay. Right, and I think it's – they're people too. <laughs> and I think she really – maybe not necessarily – I think she wants to be understood not because she like wants to be known or whatever, but I think she really – I think she wants people to kind of admire and even appreciate who she is or what she can do. You know what I mean? It's just all yeah. really creepy. Well, anyway. So then Buffy's like, hey, okay, guys, I saw something really weird, you know, what can turn its head all the way around? And hmm, what have we been studying in class? Yeah. Huh. If two plus two is four. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and-, and Willow has hacked into the coroner's office to try and get a read on. Which I mean, like, props to her. But like, dang, that's kind of like terrifying that she could just do that. Yeah. Giles is like, um, this is all in the up and up, right? He's, and they're like, mm, yeah, absolutely. He's like, right. Wasn't here. Didn't see it. Couldn't have stopped you. (laughs) 
I yep. think there was like bite marks on his body or something like that. And they match it to praying mantis pinchers. And then right then, like, while I don't understand this, but you know, it's television. Willow is tapped into the coroner's office. She gets a 911 alert that says that Blaine, his mom, was calling 911 and said that he never came home the na- that night. And they remember that he was supposed to meet with Miss French um, the day before for his one-on-one. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This scene where Xander goes into her classroom... Uh, I'm convinced it's a comedy sketch. Like I'm convinced that this was meant to be funny. Well, because like it's meant to kind just, of like, be like a porno. Like let's be real. No, yeah, <laughs> but like it's just so funny Tommy. to me. It's just like <laughs> oh, I wish you guys could see my face. I can't. Ew. <laughs> this whole so this whole too. episode, I get so uncomfortable. It's uh, yeah. ugh, I can't. But just the fact that like. He like walks in there and she's like, "Oh, you know, I forgot all of my supplies." Don't do at the home. face. The voices. Like, I went I to like. <laughs> oh, I okay. Sorry, I'm not trying to do it on purpose. But like, she's like, "Oh, um, hello." <laughs> no, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> but like. It's one of those things where, like, if I walked into a room and a teacher was like, hey, I know we were supposed to work on this project, but I literally forgot every single supply yeah, at home. I'd be like, my glitter. Yeah, I'd be like, what? How do you forget everything? Like, what on earth? Yeah, and she conveniently but she has, does like, all that. a teacher's meeting in, like, half an hour. You're like, dude, you are not a very good teacher. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> but she, like, says all that. And then, like, she's like, oh, you know, you can just come over to my house after all this stuff and then she writes on her address and this woman writes <laughs> she deserves an olympic medal for how fast <laughs> she can write she literally doesn't even she barely looks down at the paper just scribbles something and goes i'll be like well to be fair she's probably written down her address like fifteen thousand times at this point like we're assuming she goes from that's school true. to school and just like picks up guys and is all like here's my address da, 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 da. Here you go. But if I were her, I would move a ton. I wouldn't stay in the same place. So she ha- yeah. it has to be a new that address. That is true. That is true. I mean, she's like the first thing she does. All right. Got to memorize my address. Memorize it. <laughs> we also find out that Xander's middle name is Lavelle, which he seems like really embarrassed by. And It's kind of cool. Yeah. I don't think it's that bad of a middle name. Um, but I also think it's really interesting that he tells her what his middle name is, and he kind of infers that he hasn't told anyone else about it, showing that Xander is seeking a connection. Um, And I think that's something that should be noted, that for Xander, it's not all about the sex for him. I think that there is a part of him that genuinely, like, desires that human connection too, even if it's with the wrong person. You know what I mean? Like, it's just interesting to me. Is his confidence misplaced? Absolutely. Yes. Is he going after? <laughs> Is it the in wrong the wrong person? person? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jinx Lee. Is it illegal? Uh, yeah, actually, it is. <laughs> is there very many moral questions that have to be asked before he even attempts any of this? One thousand percent. Is this sketchy? Will he still try and go yeah. through with it? One thousand percent. Yeah, and I just want to like. Take a moment to just say, like, Nicholas Brendan, he has gone on record to say that he was molested by a teacher when he was younger. Um, And I just, like, wonder if that went into the character development for Xander and if that 
like if this was really hard for him to play or if maybe this was therapeutic for him. Um, I don't know. It's just interesting. But I – I I don't want to make light of a subject that's obviously like, you know, it's hard for a lot of people, but and as much as I was just going to say, as much as we wanted to skip this episode, there are some important themes that we really felt like needed to be talked about, especially since Nichols Brendan yeah. did go through a lot of it. Um and uh, like I know that a ton of people have and haven't come out about it or they have and it's just mm-hmm. still really like hurtful to them. Um, and I'm sure there have been people who have watched this episode and come with some conclusion on their own. And so mm-hmm. for that, I'm thankful for this episode, but it's just, yeah, it's just a little hard to get through, but there are some important themes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's also hard to kind of get through is the fact that she eats a sandwich with crickets, but it's not just with crickets, guys. She ha- eats crickets with mayonnaise. Ew. Ew. Oh, so I know the actress is not actually eating that sandwich, but the sound effects and just the <laughs> way it's shot. Oh, this episode, man. All right, moving on. <laughs> so then we see Buffy really kind of taking charge in this episode, you know, saying, hey, guys, I'm going to do research. And I've come to the conclusion that it's probably a praying mantis and all this stuff. And Giles is even kind of learning stuff along the way, which I think is really cool. And we're seeing growth on Buffy's end. Yeah. And I like I like the fact that people are kind of like taken back by it and being like, oh, Buffy's, you know, she wants to do research and everything. But I like it because it shows like one that she's very passionate about what's going on right now. But like two, she isn't stupid. Like, yeah, she just. Didn't really care to do research, which I don't really blame her. When she needed someone that believed in her, someone that was like, hey, I see you. you you're you smart. You have potential. And I think yeah. we're seeing this contrast with, you see, Dr. Gregory, all it takes is one teacher to take notice of you and say, hey, I believe in you. And you see Buffy just kind of blossom under that potential. And then you see, you know, Xander over here with Miss French, and she's taking an interest in him as well, obviously for very, like, way worse and more nefarious reasons. But you're watching both Buffy and Xander seeking connections um, and seeking affirmations from someone in authority. And I think it's so important to remember um, that teachers make a huge impact on students' lives, either for good or for yeah. like, oh, 100%. really bad. Yeah. You know? I know you guys as teachers can relate with that. I mean, I am not a teacher, (laughs) but I've had teachers (laughs) in my life and some have like made my experience just absolutely so much more worth it and others have made it miserable. So like you're right, like it really, they can really make or break your high school experience, your opinion of yourself for a while. I think that high schoolers are very sensitive because they're just going through so much and they're learning about themselves. And so I think that having someone come alongside them and just be like, hey, like, I believe in you, like, could literally make the world to them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got to be like such a different atmosphere being like a high school teacher. That's when they're older enough and they confide in you and they look up to you in a more real sense because you guys are somewhat closer into the same area of life but a lot more so than like a second grader you know um Mm. i don't know i like i can't imagine like the type of manipulation and trauma that would come from being molested in high school um versus but also being molested when you're younger too like they both Mm -hmm. have very different sets of 
trauma, I'm guessing, because it's just like yeah. helplessness. But also when you're older, you think that you're past the whole, I guess, yeah, helplessness. But yeah, I don't know. That's just got to be really hard. Yeah. So Buffy's like, hey, it's the praying mantis lady. It's Miss French. She's the one doing this. And Buffy or Willow's like, I knew it. Her shoulder pads just screamed predator. <laughs> Yep, that's what gave it away. Absolutely. And I kind and I kind of skipped ahead a little bit, but this is when you find out you get the 911 call that Blaine never came home and they're like, I mean, is anyone surprised? I feel like I would expect that. Yeah. So they're like, "Hey, um Xander was supposed to have this meeting with Miss French. We got to go stop him." So Buffy runs to the courtyard. And this is a super interesting conversation that she has with Xander. Ugh, it's I hate just it. hard. It's yeah. Because Toxic Xander masculinity turns, to the max. Yeah. And Xander turns it all around right back on her and is essentially like, yep. you're just jealous because someone's interested in me. And he like goes off, but then his insecurity shows because then he's like, what kind of a na- girly name is Angel anyway? And then I'm not yep. going around giving girls jackets. And she's like, what does this even have to do with me? Yep. I'd also like to point out that Xander does use the sentence it just kind of bugs yep. me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Which, you know, yep. it's hilarious. You'll have to decode that. I know that's not very, yeah. like, obvious <laughs> of a metaphor. So um, so what it is, is let it, us know joke. what you think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> email us at Becoming Buffy Podcast. <laughs> 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 no. um, and I, it just, ugh, it really makes me angry when he says, I've met someone and you're just jealous. Ugh. And it's just frustrating it's like, because it's like, the dude, cal- Buffy does not care. Black. No, and she's genuinely trying to help him. And she's so excited. She's like, no, I've like learned this. It's something called pheromones. And she's like trying to tell him about all her research and how like much work she's done. And he's just not listening and he's being a complete jerk. It's just frustrating. So then Xander leaves and goes to meet with Miss French. And we have this horribly uncomfortable scene, which we will just kind of touch on zoom real past? fast. Yeah, for yes, Miss French is wearing a highly inappropriate dress and is pouring wine. Yeah. Has a fire going. Yeah, Once like again, for a minor, she's pouring wine for a minor. Yeah, I like, mean, there's so much. That's what here. you decide to yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, yes, obviously, there's the many minor. questionable things that it's have happened the wine up for until me. this point. <laughs> but I just mean like. At this point, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, like, at this point, like, she hasn't done anything at this point that could necessarily, like, someone could point to her and be like, hmm, this is true. breaking the law. Yeah. This is the first thing that she does where if she, you know, if the cops came in right now, you know, she could literally go to jail for that. Like, yeah, she hasn't right. slept with Xander yet, which means that she has been inappropriate, yes, but nothing so far that would get her fired or get her thrown into jail. Right. Absolutely. I think inviting a student over to your house would maybe get you fired, maybe not put in jail, but the whole alcohol And honestly, thing. would – I? yeah. I don't really know, like, what school systems were like in the 90s and stuff, so I don't really know how lenient – like tutoring and stuff like that was. Um, but I definitely know that like nowadays, especially in the public school, if someone had like a secret meeting with a teacher, then like it definitely would be called out. Yeah. 
So Xander gets really nervous and we find out that um, he's a virgin and that she essentially likes virgins. And he has this like long, um, like he kind of this run on sentence where he talks about shawarma because he gets like really nervous and um, is babbling. And I wanted to point out that Nicholas Brendan, when he was interviewing or auditioning for the role of Xander, he went off on this really funny tangent about shawarma all on his own. And that is what won him over to Joss Whedon. And Joss loved that bit so much that he actually added that as Iron Man's line in Avengers when he comes back and he says, anybody want shawarma to the, um, to the rest of the Avengers. And then the cut scene at the end of the movie, you see everybody sitting around eating shawarma. Yeah. The first Avengers, right? Yeah. That's yeah. so funny. And I think it's just funny that he had that in his mind was like, that's so funny. I'm going to use that. And then years later puts it into the Avengers movie. So yeah, Xander is getting drunk because he's a lightweight, probably has not ever drank before. Well, I think he's he a does minor. it. Yeah, quite possibly. And I think it's interesting that the thing that kind of like stops him from kissing or even like touching Miss French is the fact that he says, I love Buffy, which as much as that makes us uncomfortable, I still think that that like there's something there and who knows how that will play out later on. Well, and like, I don't really like Xander for Buffy, but I do think that it is admirable of him to recognize in himself that he has feelings for Buffy and to kind of stop whatever was going to happen there. Right. Well, and also, too, I think some part of Xander realizes this isn't a real connection. I think that he deep down really does want that actual authentic connection with somebody. And in his mind, he's like, if it's with Buffy, it would be real. This is not real. You know? Yeah. So then her hands turn into praying mantis hands, and then she... Comedy gold. I love how we said we were going to, like, zoom passes, and we've sorry, dissected... Sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. She drags him from the room, yada, yada. We're, oh, yeah. And then you're, like, yelling from the next room. He's like, do you hear something? She's like, no. <laughs> so she drags him from the room, and he wakes up in the basement, and Natalie is a full-on praying mantis and she has a weird voice and blaine I, is in the cell next to him yes 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 Ugh. anyway all right so they're like all right yep corners report matches the mantis bite and uh willow starts freaking out and they're like yeah it seems like the praying mantis bites off their head oh and Willow's like, yeah but i like she's Sanders like head. no <laughs> attached to his body <laughs> it's so cute very sweet and innocent and i love how like all of them know that like willow is into xander but they all are just kind of like silently like it's gonna be okay willow but like no yeah. one acknowledges that like or makes fun of her that, you know, for the fact that she likes Xander, they're just kind of like, we know. <laughs> yeah. Or even tries to downplay her fear. Like, they try to like, hey, maybe it's going to be okay, you know? But they don't say like, Willow, you're panicking too much, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, right? She's panicking pretty accurately. Yeah, exactly. Um, so then Blaine's all like, oh, it's horrible. She like takes you down here and then she like starts shaking and eggs shoot out of her and then she mates with you and then so he's, she takes off your head. 
Oh, so specific. You know, right? He's like going through the whole thing. We're like, um. It couldn't just be like, oh, yeah, she meets with you and then kills you. It's like, no, she has to like meet with you. And then, you know, eggs go everywhere. And they're like, it's just so detailed. It's so <laughs> know, gross right? and weird. Yes. As if this wasn't gross enough, you know. I know. They had to, to add worse. more. Yeah, exactly. I honestly don't even know why they chose to make her be a praying mantis. Like, it would have made a lot more sense to just keep her as a human if she wanted to mate with them. Because I feel like it's a lot weirder that she's like a praying mantis wanting to mate with them. So Blaine's all like, hey, you got a plan, Xander? And Xander's like, um, yeah. And it's nothing, of course. <laughs> yep. All right. So Giles is like back in the library. He's like, hey, I have this crazy friend who was like, hey, uh, there was this praying mantis type person that used to go around and would feed on virgins. And they used to call her a virgin thief, a kleptus virgo. And back in yep. um, the Greek mythology, um, they often referred to them as sirens. And mantis, praying mantis, were believed to be supernatural by the Greeks. And so I think it's interesting that they have like this correlation between Greek sirens and praying mantis, which I personally never would have made that correlation, but there it is. No. I I like how they have this moment of like Buffy trying to be like, oh, well, you know, then Xander should be fine because, you know, he's – and like Willow's just immediately is like, he's yeah, going to die. Gonna die. <laughs> like, Xander would like, be a virgin. Like, they're trying yeah. to be like really polite even though no one believes it. And Willow's like, nope, I'm just going to say it. He's going to die. Yeah, she's like, we know. <sighs> and so Buffy takes charge and is like, okay, we need bat sonar. It'll affect their nervous system and cause them to not be able to function. So I can basically take down the praying mantis. And it's interesting because Giles seems like super flustered and doesn't quite know what he's supposed to do. And Buffy's all like, here, I'll tell you what to do. I know exactly like what needs to be done. And I think it's just really cool yeah. like seeing her take charge like this. Their roles are almost reversed. Yeah. Uh, Xander... <laughs> His plan of escape is to get him and Blaine in the same cage, and that's not going so great. <laughs> I know. I was like, dude, if you're going to try to open a door, how about you open the door to your freedom yeah, right. <laughs> instead of the other They're cage? They're like both huddled in the same cage, like we're going <laughs> to die. Yeah, moral support. He's like, at least we're going to die right. together. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that Blaine, who has been kind of like the – Basically, Xander's epitome of what it means to be a man this entire episode is the one that's cowering in fear and is looking to Xander to be the one to get yeah. them out of there, to have the answers, and is even like offering Xander up and saying, hey, it was his idea to get us out of here to kind of save his own hide. Um, yeah. But it's also like interesting because like he was like super hyper-sexualized. Hyper at the beginning of the episode and being like, you know, oh, who have you slept with this time? And like here you find out like he's a virgin too. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're all just kind of putting up a front. Right. And it goes back to what is society's expectation on men um, such that they feel like they have to pretend like they have this certain sexual appetite or even prowess to even be considered manly or masculine. And that's so toxic, not only for women, but also for the men too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's equally damaging for both. So yeah. they're like, all right, they look up Miss French's address and they're like, this is weird. It said that Miss French would be like 90 years old. What is up with that? So they go to her house and Giles is all like, we can't just kick down the door. And Buffy's like, yeah, that would be wrong. And then like raises her leg to kick the door. 
I would do that if my friend was like gonna die. I'd be like, I don't care. I'm gonna kick down this door. Right. Yeah. What's the worst that happens? Like they call the cops. Okay, more people to come help me find him. And this like sweet old lady opens the door, and they find out the real Miss French was actually retired like 25 plus years ago. And they're like talking about her as if she's not right there. And they're like, I know. Then where's the other Miss French? And she's like, I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) She's like knocking on death's door. (laughs) (laughs) And then meanwhile, Blaine and Xander, (laughs) they're playing, or the Frank Mantis is playing the eeny, meeny, miny, mo game. (laughs) That actually, well, my favorite part of the whole episode. So funny. The whole like hand gesture. They're like, what's she doing? (laughs) <laughs> she's doing mini mini money mo which is I such can't. a teacher thing to do though right that's true you like all right class all right who's gonna be my helper yeah. this week? but who does that in high school yeah. as a high school teacher i don't even do that with my third graders i've never done any mini money mo they're too I mean, old I guess for we'll forgive her because she's you know you know not really actually human she's but. a bug yeah. yeah she has other flaws yeah. trust me <laughs> yeah yeah i think we could pick something else that's worse. leah's like it's the wine for me and i'm like it's the yeah. eeny meeny for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah right oh my word so she picks xander and xander i love that he's like all right i'm coming i'm coming and he comes down and i think he grabs like a rock or some straw and throws it in her face um, and almost makes it past her, but she trips him on the stairs and he Yeah, falls and I mean honestly, to props to Xander for at least yeah. like trying to get out and like fighting as best as he could as like a normal human being. Like it's like it's honestly pretty brave. Yeah. No, he Xander is many things, but a coward, he likes to say that he is, but honestly, he's pretty brave. And we'll give him yeah. that. Yeah. Props, Xander. So <laughs> Willow is panicking. Her hands are shaking and she's out there like, I'm going to start knocking down every single door. (laughs) I know. I don't blame her. Like if that's a person that you care about, even if she didn't have a crush on him, like that's still like her best friend. Like I'd be knocking down every door. And Buffy's like, okay, I have an idea. And she just like goes to the sewer and says, I'll be right back and just drops down to the sewer, presumably to go find Claw, which, okay, how big are those sewers? I would imagine pretty extensive. They have to be huge. So she goes down into the sewer and finds Claw, the fork guy, and he's like, you. And she's like, me. (laughs) Yep. She's like, bro, I'm so over it at this point. Yep. Beats him up. Then we see Xander waking up back inside of the cage next to Blaine. And the praying mantis is shaking and vibrating. And Blaine looks at Xander and says, how do you like your eggs? <laughs> I know. I can't. Ew. Yeah, so gross. And then we have these like weird flashbacks as if we were like, ooh, we don't know what's going to happen now of like Miss French talking in class being like, then they mate and then she cuts off his head and we're all like, yes, 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 we know. Please stop going into detail. Yeah, you don't need to explain it to us. (laughs) Then Buffy has brought Claw up somehow up out of the sewers and is pushing him around and is all like, tell me where she is. Tell me where she is, which – this is a pretty desperate plan because I'm guessing this claw dude doesn't want to go to Miss French's house based upon his reaction to her earlier. And yet he's somehow going to lead Buffy there. I don't know. Anyway, but the plan is working. And you know yeah, they've arrived somehow. at the right house. Yeah, right. You know they've arrived at the right house when you see a bunch of little picket fences that look 
tiny, like tiny little stakes, and you can just see where this is going. <laughs> I know, right? How like, convenient. Well, that's what uh, Xander says in the first episode when he picks up Buffy's stake that she dropped when they bumped into. Oh each other. yeah, <laughs> he says the only thing I can think of is that you're making a tiny fence. Oh, tiny little no. Yeah, that's true. That's I guess he was right. And then, you know, she's like, all right, this is the house. Thanks for that. And then impales him on the fence. Yep. I think it's funny how they built, you know, Mr. Claw up to be this, like, you know, super tough guy who's going to be, you know, the fight of a lifetime. And she, like, kills him within, like, five seconds. And, know, like, Angel gets, like, device. shredded and she's like, meh. He's in there for, like, two yeah, seconds. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. But I honestly, I think it's just because she's so motivated that she's like, I'm not even like phased by you. Well, and you can tell it's really coming down to the wire, you know? Like at this point, the praying mantis has Xander in her grasp and is all like, kiss me. And Xander, his his reaction is very justifiable. His like screaming and yelling, I'd be screaming too. For oh, I'd be crying. I'd be screaming. I'd be doing the works. <laughs> yep. And then Buffy breaks through the window, kicks the praying mantis and the rest of the gang comes in and you have Blaine the entire time going, help me, help me, help me. And you're like, dude, you're not the one that's on um, like literally being eaten by the praying mantis right now. Like, chill. I know. And then, so then Buffy's like, you know, Dr. Gregory, he told me to like do my research. And she grabs the recorder and is all like, see what happens to uh, your nervous system when you listen to this and clicks it on. <laughs> And it's Giles's voice talking about like how he's going to order his library books or something. I can't. The fact that he just like didn't think about that beforehand and was like, hmm, maybe I should make sure it's on the right setting is the funniest thing to me. Like yeah. he's just so ill prepared. It's like, Giles, dude, get it together. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's kind of a mess this episode. Or I could just see him being like, okay, this hard drive is only meant for killing Miss French. But then like him driving over being like, huh, actually, like his uh, into introspective like and uh, introverted mind is like, oh, I need to do this and I need to do that. Let me record it so I don't forget. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. But I love that Buffy turns around and is like, Giles, <laughs> how could yep. you drop the ball in this one thing I asked you to do this entire episode? <laughs> I also like that there's this moment where Xander stands up and he goes to kind of like hit Mrs. French or Miss French, and Buffy. The praying mantis kind of like swings and, you know, Buffy saves him and then ends up beating um, the praying mantis. And I just kind of like the fact that like Xander tried to stand up for himself and like mm. be the man. And like and it was Buffy who saves him and mm -hmm. kills, you know, the beast and stuff, which like has to just suck for him constantly. Yeah. You know, not being the man who can save everyone. Right. But I think he's also like realizing that that's okay. That's not his role and that's not his place in the gang, you know? And this is part of Xander's journey and realizing that um, being a man is more than having to be the quintessential hero, you know? And from what yeah. we can see, we have Buffy, who's the slayer. We have Giles, who's the watcher and or the librarian. And we have Willow, who's like techie. Um, mm -hmm. so at least someone has like a thing and for him, he's like, well, what am I, you know, I, yeah. like, I don't really have anything that's really helping people. So it's gotta mm -hmm. like, that's also gotta sting as long as like his masculinity. I do. I do appreciate at the end, you know, after Buffy defeats Miss French, he says, you were right. I'm an idiot. God bless you. And then he looks at everyone and says, thank you, everyone. And I think that that took a lot of humility. Yeah. Um, 
And this was a, even though a rough episode, it was a much needed episode for Xander because like Xander's kind yeah. of arrogant sometimes, you know? Um, and I think that he needed to be brought down a peg or two or three, you know? Yeah, I agree. So then we have this funny dialogue of Blaine and Xander. They don't want people to know that they're virgins. And like Giles is like not getting a clue at all. He's like, well, no, like it clearly says that she like only wants yeah. virgins. He's like, guys, this is so obvious. How can you not get? And they're like, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blaine's <laughs> like, my dad's a lawyer. He will sue you guys. <laughs> and then we have this this interesting moment where Xander goes and hits all of the eggs. I hate it. I I think it honestly <laughs> is like Xander's like a therapeutic moment. Like he has I just hate just the fact to... that they have like weird rock music behind it. It's like it should have just been like <laughs> an true. emotional moment instead of like rock music. It's like, come on, man. But that's like Xander's moment where he kind of just can take out all of his emotions on these eggs. I mean, I don't blame him for reals though. That's true. It fits him too. Like having rock music while he's doing it, it can't just be like you know, a emotional scene. It has to be BA. He has to have something behind him. Yeah, something that makes him feel like a man. Go beat up on these eggs. (laughs) So then we're back in the bronze and Buffy's wearing that jacket again. Her hair looks super cute, by the way. Mm -hmm. It's like really adorable. I will say as crappy as this episode is, this ending almost makes up for it. Almost. No, literally. It's just, it's very cute. It's very sweet. Like, I think that this is the moment you kind of can see like Buffy really acknowledging the fact that she's falling for Angel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you have you have Angel. He's like, hey, so I heard there's one less vampire terrorizing the town. Buffy's like, hey, so like, how do I get in touch with you? Or like, who even are you? Mm-hmm. And he kind of just says, you know, you know, I'll around. be around. And he like touches like. Yeah, he touches the collar of her jacket and then kind of like walks away. Like the chemistry, you can which, like. Which oh my God. Every, everyone does. knows when you're first starting to talk to somebody and you first start liking them, it's you always have to leave them wanting more. So I see exactly right. what Angel is doing. I'm like, he knows uh-huh. what he's doing. He's like, I'll be around. And she goes, oh boy. Such a good right, line. Well, you notice he walks away. He walks away and then he kind of like turns around and looks at her mm-hmm. one more time. He and knows. Once he looks at her. He she's knows. Like, oh boy. Yeah. Yep. He totally does know. So, yeah. Such a good ending to an otherwise very uncomfortable episode. Oh, I forgot. I do have to mention we have the, yeah, the classroom. I always forget that this is the end. Buffy comes in and sees Dr. Gregory's glasses and like very gently puts them back into his lab coat. And I just think it's kind of sad because you can tell that she's kind of tuning out again of class because the teacher is like drolling on again and is taking no personal vested interest in the students. Um, And I just feel like this scene just really describes Sunnydale really well, where it's like you get a glimpse of like happiness and normalcy. And then at mm -hmm. the end, it's like, you see her face kind of resort back, like you said, Sarah, and just be like, all right, let's go back to normal. I got to go back to like not enjoying my teachers. I got to go back to like walk into eggshells. No, totally. And I think it's just sad because you see Buffy trying so hard. And I think there's probably a part of her that just feels so bad that Dr. Gregory was basically collateral. I would feel bad. And then we have this like weird, eerie opening of an egg on the inside of the closet. And I just, okay, I have a question. Were those eggs put there because she mated with Dr. Gregory? 
Was Dr. Wow. Virgin? Is that so why gross. the eggs were there? Um, it could have been I'm that. Confused. Could have been like eggs from a while Gregory. ago that she transported. Like you, you never really know. But I also feel like she'd be stupid to have all of her eggs literally in one basket. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> she'd have to have more. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, I know what you mean. You mean all your eggs in one closet? <laughs> <laughs> or just like oh. having all of them in one spot because if someone finds that stash, like – Sander did, yeah, and killed. But all again, them. I don't, I don't think she's very intelligent. I think that she, yeah. goes based off survival. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I wonder if they'll pop back up in future episodes. Yeah. I like that they kind of ended it on a, kind of like a horror movie ish ending. Yeah, it's like the yeah. twisting. Ooh, there might be more. You never know. You know. Right. Yep. So, guys, that's Teacher's Pet. We made it through. Thank we did it. the Lord. We are done. <laughs> yes. Fingers crossed. And we oh. we salute you, brave soldiers, for Seriously. making it through this episode and sticking with us through this podcast. If this is your first time watching Buffy and you watch this episode and you're like, holy crap, if the whole show is like this, I can't do it. Trust us. This is the worst it will ever get. Yeah, there's a couple more episodes that are kind of like, eh, but honestly, this one. But is this like is the the lowest, my least favorite. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you guys are in it for a treat. The next um, episode that we were going to be covering is "Never Kill a Boy on the First Date," and so I, good. It's a cute episode. It is one of the funniest episodes. It's just it's so well done. So. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that. And guys, as always, you can find us um, on Instagram at Becoming Buffy Podcast. You can also email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know maybe what your least favorite part of this episode was or maybe even a part that you thought was really funny. Um, Also, let us know what you think about the deeper themes and messages of this episode, if it resonated with you personally. Um, We always love to talk about those kinds of things on Becoming Buffy. But yeah, stay tuned if you want to stick and stick around for Scooby Secrets, our spoiler section in just a few minutes. Until then, guys, see you next time. listeners and old Buffy fans, welcome to Scooby Secrets, our favorite part of the show, especially for this episode since, I mean, it ended up being a lot more enjoyable than I had thought it was going to be, but I always just look forward to Scooby Secrets because it's a lot less posh and you don't Mm -hmm. have to think about spoiling things or how you sound as much. Yeah. Um, For those of you who are Uh, new listeners or just need a reminder, this is Scooby Secrets. There are going to be spoilers aplenty. We'll be pretty much spoiling everything um, for all seven seasons of Buffy, and it's also going to be spoilers for the show Angel as well. So enter at your own risk. You've been warned. Yes. Okay, so first, 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 those eggs that we saw in Dr. Gregory's um, Never seen it. Never seen again. Thank Just God. need to say that. Thank I think that it's like one of those things where they probably hatched and like left Sunnydale. <laughs> they were like, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. There is a slayer like, that killed mom. <laughs> yeah, they're like, clearly this didn't work out for, you know, our mother. So we're going to leave. <laughs> or maybe they got yeah. suffocated inside the closet. They couldn't get out. They just died. 
<laughs> Could you imagine how bad it would smell drink. in there? Ew. Ew. Yeah, seriously. I don't know. I keep thinking, like, with all the egg puns we made this entire episode, I kept thinking about the episode in season two, Bad Eggs. Oh, good. Okay, so I am not a huge horror fan in general, but I can take pretty much any Buffy episode, but that one skeeves me out because Why? I every time I – Every time I have a hard-boiled egg now, I just imagine when Xander <laughs> had that one and he opens it up and it's like the weird – like it looks like alien when they like cover their faces, like Buffy's face at night with the tentacles next to her pillow. I don't no, know. All I the think things the one that, that's not that bad. I think the one that creeps out the can't. most is the is uh, the hush episode. Yeah. The quiet They're floating. Episode. Really? Yeah. Not the one just... with like the death guy who like sits on children's chests and his eyeballs come oh, out. Yeah. Oh, He's yeah. He's terrifying yeah. too. Yes. Yeah. Or the guy in like season seven who literally like – when Willow is oh, I was about to say invisible, he's the like, worst. He's the worst. He paralyzes her and then peels her skin off. Yes. And, oh, yes. Oh, no, no, and no, no. he's all like, all he, alone. He reminds me of that um, that guy who eats people's like fingers and toes in Angel where Fred <gasps> bumps into him. He reminds me of him. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yep. ew, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, back on topic. The egg, the egg episode, I just can't stand. But yes. Okay. No. Back to the, you know, <laughs> less Before terrifying I, teacher's pet. Yeah. Before I get uh, terrified from people paralyzing me and eating my skin, um, I want to point out how often Buffy has parental figures or authoritative figures in her life that end up dying. Like yeah, her mom, girl. the teacher, like Giles doesn't die, but he leaves at some point. Like her dad is never <laughs> there. Thing. Well, the like, whole episode in season three where he like drugs her to get her like yeah. helpless. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just like every single, like even Miss Calendar like ended up being like, oh, was yeah. lying to her. Yeah. Like every single like, you know, faculty or parental, parental figure. figure in her life has like kind of hurt her in some way even the mayor dying or something mm-hmm. yeah and so it's like that has to suck man yeah yeah but that's also kind of just like life too you know it, it there's always going to be um something that someone does that hurts you like no one's going to ever be 100 percent perfect but oh, and professor walsh too yeah, yeah professor walsh that's right like yeah. everyone yep yeah, that's a good point, Leah. Um, I had it written down that I think it's really funny that one of the things that Xander apparently thinks is what makes you a man or makes you cool is that you have to play an electric guitar. And who do and we us. know? I thought about that. On this show that is just super cool and us. plays a guitar. Oh. Oz. Yep. I think this is the first time we've mentioned Oz. Yeah, I think it is actually. Oh, oh I'm so love excited. Underrated character. I know. I know. I can't wait to leave. And honestly, I know that all of our listeners are aware of how obsessed we are with Angel. And I, I've been, you know, very clear about my obsession with Spike as well. But Oz <laughs> is just the most amazing person ever. Pure character. I literally so think sweet. that if I came, like if he was an actual person, I came in contact with him, I just like would not be able to physically cope. Like, I think I would yeah. just collapse because he's just, like, amazing in every way. I'm <laughs> just, just such a run. <laughs> I collapse. <laughs> it's just, I just, uh, I'm obsessed with him. I, I can't so explain much. it. He's just such a little cutie. He's just so sweet. Yeah. He, yes. honestly, I think out of all of the male characters in this show, he is legit boyfriend material. Like, yes. He has Marriage the least baggage. Yes. He's the he's most so stable. He's so chill. Like, he's yes. confident. Vibing. 
Yeah. And he loves Willow really well. So yeah. I just think, yeah. Shout out to Oz. We can't wait till you get to officially yeah. join the podcast. Yeah. It's going to be a trip. You I also Andrew, wanted to point on. out. Uh, yes. Uh, but <laughs> he loves Oz. I yeah, also wanted to point out that um, we've, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but um, obviously if you guys know spoilers, you know that Willow ends up being gay um, later mm-hmm. on in the show. Um, but Joss Whedon actually didn't know if he wanted to make Xander gay or Willow like a lesbian. And so he left kind of little like hints to where he Easter could really go. Eggs. For, yeah. That it could Tell really go word. for. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. That it could really go for either of them. And I think that this honestly was one of the episodes where he kind of left one of those. Because mm-hmm. when when Xander's talking about Angel He's not like, oh, yeah. like, you know, you know, Buffy didn't mention that, you know, he was reactive. He says, oh, he's an attractive man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just very like it almost never thought about that. Gives off a, it almost gives a vibe off of like Xander notices how attractive Angel is before he mm-hmm. notices his jealousy for him. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. like, oh, he's super buff. And, you know, all this stuff, like kind of goes into detail about Angel's appearance. Yeah. Well, and Joss was actually planning on making Xander gay um, and was – I mean, he he left it open for both Willow and Xander, but his plan was Xander. And you can see once, that in Tennis um, Season 3. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot – even Season 2, there's just a lot of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once uh, Seth Green, Oz, had to leave the show, there was an opening. He chose to make Willow the gay one. And I also think it went better with the networks as well too. They were more yeah, willing to see a, a woman and woman relationship versus two guys. Yeah. But, well, mm-hmm. and Willow was already such a loved character that I think it yeah, that's was true. better that she was the one who did it instead of Xander because, like, I think that it w- might have looked bad if they had made, you know, the annoying character be yeah. the gay one because then everyone's like, what mm-hmm. the heck? Why couldn't we get a cool character? Yeah. Not that well, Xander, Xander doesn't was grow. also with Anya. Yeah. That's well, Xander true. was also with, also with Anya, and I just – I love their I love relationship. Anya. I think Anya was really good for him. So um, I thought it was interesting that they used the same kind. It's not the exact same, but the same semi like the same vibe of music with this one. And then also with the pack. Um, I thought about yeah, that the with the, the tribal music. It's just, I think I counted yeah. how many times. I mean, you guys will see when we get to that episode, but I think I tried to count how many times the tribal music plays. Yeah. Or the jungle music. Yeah, that they kind of make it very um, animalistic and almost portray yeah. teenage boys as very primal at mm-hmm. this age. Yeah. Um, the counselor dying, Dr. Gregory, I know Leah kind of mentioned this, but we also had the counselor that died in Beauty oh, and the yeah. Beast yes, in yes, season yes. three. Oh, yeah. He's the only other teacher that really, I mean, other than Giles, obviously, but that really mm-hmm. listened to Buffy and that she actually opened up to um, I wish they'd given him dying. at least one more other episode because she was like slowly warming up to him. And I wish they yeah. made his death a little bit more impactful, like as if he was a counselor for more than one episode. Because um, he was really cool and I really liked him and he like really seemed to care for Buffy. Yeah. I mean, that scene always breaks my heart because she comes yeah. in and she's got tears and she's mm-hmm. like, I don't know who else to talk to. I know. And then pours out her heart and then you find out he's dead. Ugh, mm-hmm. so hard. Yep. Um, this scene or this episode, I feel like is such a really good growing point for Buffy's character, but it's also kind of a weird episode in the sense of like, you never really see Buffy take charge in the 
research aspect of things as much in the rest of the show as she does in this episode. And Giles kind of flounders in this episode because he doesn't have as much research to do. He mm. seems a little less sure of himself. Mm. And I think part of that is chalked up to the fact that they're still not quite sure what to do with everyone. Yeah. Well, they um, didn't also um, – I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but they hadn't um, put in the Ripper storyline until season two. Yeah. And honestly, I feel like the whole Ripper storyline is what gives Giles his Gilesness. Like, mm. I think that it really rounds out his character Giles and kind of gives him more purpose. Giles yeah. without being Ripper would be such a different character. Yeah. Well, it he'd gives be him more dimension. like mm-hmm. he'd be more like season three Wesley. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you see Giles's Ripper show up in some of the most interesting episodes. Um, I like I was thinking about the gift earlier, and you see a little bit of Giles's Ripper come out when he kills Ben. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's the darkest yep. you see him, other than like helpless mm-hmm. a little bit. But well, they s- it allowed for there to be this interesting dark side of Giles that Buffy mm-hmm. didn't have. And they yeah. wouldn't have been able to put that in there if he didn't have his Ripper side. Well, mm-hmm. and they even there's even full sides of Giles that we as the viewers see that Buffy herself never even learns about or even sees. And I think it's interesting that Giles hides that side from her and to everyone else. He's just kind of like, okay, just dad Giles, or he's just like the dorky librarian, but there's a really like deep side to him. And that's definitely missing in the first season of Buffy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I just was going to note something super simple that we talked about in the non-spoiler section, but uh, Angel has field time in this episode. He actually goes out and fights something, which is cool. Um, I don't know if they thought that he was going to be a vampire in this episode or not. I, I have a feeling they were that still they unsure, I think. But yeah, yeah, you can kind of tell. I feel like in the next episode they start to kind of be like, okay, he's probably going to be a vampire. Yeah, because yeah. You can tell when they switch over because his makeup gets a lot lighter, and they're like, "Oh, vampire!" <laughs> but yeah. he's also Make with them like pale. the whole episode, and he's like fighting with them. So I have a feeling like, yeah, they knew at that point. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting because like we've talked about a lot how the first season is them kind of figuring out a lot, and one of the things that they're trying to figure out is um, how they want their characters to kind of look, and so and you see that even with. Um, the vampire looks like they're very specifically yes. in the first two episodes, but in the first season in general, they're a lot more pale, contoured, more white. yeah, contoured, you know, <laughs> more structured. Whereas later on in the seasons, they kind of make them look more like it's their actual skin instead mm-hmm. of like a whole different face. But another thing is also, um, they don't really know how to do Buffy's makeup yet. And I I noted in specifically the library scene right after, um, you know, Principal um, Flutie tells Buffy that she needs counseling when they go into the library after that. Her makeup is very harsh. It's a lot of eyeshadow. It's like very heavy, very dark, very like, yeah, a lot of blush. And I think it's like they didn't know how they wanted her to be portrayed yet like they just knew yeah like Buffy's cool and she's BA and she you know so like let's just make her makeup harsh and cool and I think it it wasn't until season two when they really realized like no Buffy is soft and feminine and sweet and she's also a slayer and she also kicks butt but like and the way that she does her makeup and her demeanor and everything is going to a lot 
it's going to be a lot softer. And that's when they kind of give her more like, they tone down the eyeshadow and give her more like, you know, pinkish lips and things like that. And it just, it fits her so much better. I think part of it too is it's also very 90s. So her clothing is a little bit more 90s. Her hair, her makeup. I mean, Cordelia's makeup is even a little bit darker. Um, and Willow's as well in the first season. So I think it wasn't yeah. just a choice they made for Buffy. It was kind of all of the girls. And I mean, everybody when it comes to makeup, um, they were just kind of trying to figure out the vibe that they were going for. I also want to note that Sarah Michelle Gellar's hair is kind of darker in this season than it is for any of the other seasons. Yeah, it's and actually the brown. Is, yeah, and the it's reason not why at all. is because she they weren't sure if the show was going to get picked up. So she didn't want to dye her hair or bleach it essentially too much until she knew that this was going to be a show that was going to be Oh, really? That's while. smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then she did, ended up filming Scream 2 in between – um, the first and second season, and that's when she cut her hair and dyed it lighter and ble- yeah, bleached it because her she hair is super blonde in the second, second season. season. Yeah, it's just interesting to think about how you know all of these like little choices that we see as iconic now were really them going well. We aren't sure if the show is going to continue on, so we're just going to kind of right. make do with what we have right now. And season two was like them buckling down and being like, okay. We need to lock in a look because the show's going places. Um, the moment where Xander destroys the eggs, which I know you hate, Leah, but it's, it's very reminiscent. Yeah, it's very reminiscent when she was bad too. Mm-hmm. Yep when she when she cracks the master's bones, and I think it's yep. interesting that Xander knows what's going to happen. He goes, mm-hmm. "She's working out He's her been issues." Through that. Oh, yep. mm-hmm. yeah, that's yep. a good point. Yeah, he understands. He understands that Buffy has things that she needs to work out because he's been there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we see over and over in the show um, that Xander is portrayed as the heart of the of the show um, or is portrayed as Buffy's heart. Um, Willow is Buffy's spirit. Giles is Buffy's brain. And then obviously Buffy is the hand. And so I think that as we go through the each episode kind of keeping an eye out for those episodes that are Xander centric or Giles centric or Willow trying to see those little aspects of what they bring to the table um, yeah. for the Scooby gang is just kind of neat. Like, you know, yeah. just something to look for. Um, I also wanted to talk about um, something that I didn't notice until this last rewatch, but Xander doesn't actually lose his virginity until the Zeppo and he loses it to faith. Yeah. And he was in a pretty long-term relationship with Cordelia and it was Mm -hmm. pretty much implied that they like would make out in the closet all the time and stuff. And so I think it was kind of assumed that they, you know, were sleeping together. Um, But that revelation that he's still a virgin in the Zeppo is just really interesting. And I've always like, it's made me appreciate Cordelia so much because Mm -hmm. I don't know, we'll get there, but I feel like Xander never truly cared for Cordelia. I think that she was head over heels. Yeah, I think she was head over heels for him, but I don't Mm -hmm. think he was ever sold for her because he was still hung up over Buffy and then he started liking Willow during that time as well. Yes. Um, I think she knew that. Yeah, but it's just interesting that um, it wasn't until Faith in the Zeppo that he actually does lose his virginity. This also starts to set off the chain reaction of Xander getting in relationships with demons. Yep. I was going to note that. Yeah. yeah so many have, of them. Yep. We have Inca Mummy Girl. Miss French, Inca Mummy Girl, Anya. Anya. Yep. 
I think Cordelia is the only non-demon, non-like supernatural being that he dates. And but yeah, he didn't even on. really like her that much. So he definitely has a type. Which, okay. He cannot call out Buffy mm-hmm. for oh, yeah. like no having grounds. to have some demon in her man. And he clearly has to have some sort of demon in his woman. So oh, yeah. it's only because he, she doesn't like him. That's the only reason, which is so selfish. Yep, exactly. And then the last thing that I have, which I know like you guys aren't necessarily going to like being huge Angel fans, but it's there. There's the whole um, parallel whether intentional or not in this episode of you have Miss French and Xander and the whole like perils of having a relationship with like an underage, a minor person and an older woman. And then you also have Angel and Buffy. So you have the moments where Buffy's kind of like, oh no, like realizing that she's falling for Angel. And over and over in the show, there are times where like you have Joyce coming to Angel in season three saying, hey, like you need to let Buffy go. You need to let her live her life. Like it's pretty much selfish for you to pursue a relationship with Buffy when she hasn't even had a chance to grow up and stuff. And you've already lived for a couple hundred years. Um, and obviously Angel is not being predatory. Angel is not, um, you know, being mean or anything to Buffy, but I think it is interesting to note that you do have those parallels of Angel being um, an older man and Buffy being a minor and their relationship, you know? So I thought that was interesting to note. Yeah. It's hard because it's like such a gray area only because like the actual actors are like around the same age. Um, Right. And like in the TV show, I think he's supposed to be like, I think he was sired at like 20 or something. He was really young. He's supposed to be like 27. When he got sired? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought he was younger. Well, then never mind. Because no. either yeah. way, if he was 27, that's still 10-year gap. I think, yeah, it's hard because it's like, it's a mystical world, a mystical so it's hard world. to be like, oh, you know. I don't know. It's just, it's, I understand the idea of it. I think that, like, I don't really see an issue with it because it is the mystical world, so it's very different. Um, but I do understand what you tried to say though, Sarah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's an interesting parallel and I'm not necessarily saying like, you know, obviously things are different because Buffy has the maturity of someone who's older than her 16 years. Um, and her and Angel have the shared experience of both of them being outcasts and kind of different. And the fact is that they truly do care for each other and love each other each other and angel is not nothing like miss french you know um but it's interesting the parallels that you have there of you know just an, uh, the relationship of someone who's much younger and much older but so yeah those are all things to look out for and i'm excited for the next yes. episode um we don't have we didn't have that much to talk about in this one but that is okay because good old owen never kill a boy on the first date is next and we're going to see bubby tackle her love life. Unfortunately, not yet. Angel, but we'll be, yes. He's there though, yes. which is fun. Yeah. So I'm excited for it. Thanks so much, you guys, for listening and for being a part of our conversation and our dialogue. I hope you learned something new. If not, I hope you enjoyed the episode and we can't wait for next week. Seriously, it's going to be so much fun. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Becoming Buffy Podcast, or you can find us um, or you can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.